Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel overchurched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. A reading from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, we are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. I, am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do me harm, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Kelsey Burns. My pronouns are she, hers, and hers. I am your student pastor here. And I get to be the one to preach today. Will you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, God of forgiveness and new life, we thank you for the ways that you forgive us more times than we always acknowledge. Help us to accept that forgiveness and find healing. Guide us to the places and people we can give and seek forgiveness. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So it was a warm summer day. I was four or five years old. My mom was sitting outside reading a book on the back porch, and I found myself inside alone with my candy basket. It quickly occurred to me that there was no way that my mom could see me take that piece of candy, and I quickly picked out a special one. If my memory serves, it was a fun dip, so throwback. This is where my memory is a little hazy. I'm not sure if I I ate it up as fast as I could, or if I just went to hide it somewhere that I knew I could get it later, you know, like a dog. But either way, not much time had passed after my crime when I started getting that nagging feeling in my stomach that, I, that reminded me that I was not allowed to eat candy at any time that I wanted. I'm sure I tried to ignore it and keep playing, but alas, that squirming feeling grew and grew and grew until I couldn't ignore it anymore, and it overtook me. I was guilty. I broke a rule. I broke my mom's trust. So I carefully went outside. Again, I'm not sure if I was red-handed, like had the candy in hand, or if I was blue-tongued because I ate it, but 
I fessed up. I admitted to sneaking at candy and I apologized profusely, promising that I felt horrible and that I wouldn't do it again. I probably did. I remember my mom reacting very gently. She thanked me for my honesty and forgave my dubious deed. This is the earliest example I remember of doing something wrong and feeling so horrible about it that I had to apologize and ask for forgiveness. It might be the first time that I truly felt like I needed it and seeked it for myself, but it was definitely not the last. Asking for forgiveness or being the one to give it is not easy. It is usually accompanied with strong feelings of guilt, shame, or anger. Sometimes we never come to actually do it, and the need to be able to go back in time and apologize or offer forgiveness bubbles back up with those squirmy feelings in our belly at the most random of times. You know, like in the shower when you're going to bed too late at night. Forgiveness can feel difficult and messy and complicated, but it is so important. It is a key part of having healthy relationships with our community, and it is a core value of our Christian faith. So let's talk about it. The passage of scripture this morning is a bite of a very complicated story that ends with unexpected forgiveness. It is near the end of the story of Joseph. So in case you haven't seen Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat anytime recently, or ever like me, let's be reminded of a bit of the story. Joseph was the miracle son of Jacob who had 11 other sons. Joseph was his favorite though, and he made sure it was known by giving Joseph this luxurious long robe with sleeves made of colors. And so he made it known for everyone, and I'm sure his brothers didn't really like that very much. And Joseph also played into being the favorite. He did things like tattling on his brothers. What a younger brother thing to do. I guess. I'm an only child. I don't know. (laughs) So Joseph may have been the favorite son, but he was definitely the least favorite brother. And he started to have some crazy dreams that really peeved his brothers off, and they were done with him. They plotted against him and decided to sell him into slavery to passing Egyptian merchants. They say that that Joseph is dead, and their father is crushed. Joseph is sold to the Egyptian captain of the guard, Potiphar. This is a a whole story here, but it ends up turning south. And Joseph is thrown in jail when he becomes known as a dream, where he becomes known as a dream interpreter. Sometime later, Pharaoh has a wacky dream that none of his usual guys can give him an answer on. And so someone tells him about Joseph and the Pharaoh decides to give him a shot. Joseph said that the dream was a warning that Egypt will have seven years of abundance followed by seven years of deep famine. And Pharaoh thinks that Joseph is one smart cookie. So he promotes him to the top of the ranks, second in command of all of Egypt. And he puts him in charge of the efforts to store food for the famine. A while later, during the last couple years of the famine, out of the blue, Joseph's brothers show up in Egypt in search of food. They don't recognize Joseph at first, but Joseph recognizes them, and he plays them at first, giving them a hard time to see if they were remorseful, if they, if they talk about what they did to their brother. But in the end, uh, he didn't hear it for a little while. But there is, there's some more complicated story here. It's, it's not worth getting into this morning. But in the end, he sees that 
his brothers had had a change of attitude that they had transformed over the time of the many years in between. And he revealed who he was to them. And he told them to not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Similar to our passage this morning. He tells them to bring their whole household, over 70 people and all their livestock to Egypt, and that he will provide shelter, supplies, and food for them during the rest of the famine. He went above and beyond. Not much after this big family reunion, their father Jacob dies in his old age, and it becomes then clear that his brothers were really not comfortable with how they left things with Joseph now that the buffer of their father was gone. Yikes. So this brings us to our passage today. The 11 brothers come to Joseph seeking forgiveness for their part in setting off this whole chain of events by selling him to slavery. Whew. We just covered 13 chapters of Genesis, so we did it. The story of Joseph is long and drama-filled that could fill up seasons of a soap opera. If you need to feel better about your family drama, go and read some of that, because it's some tea, and it's wild. And it's very human. One of the biggest lessons we can learn from them is about forgiveness. Joseph's brothers considered killing him and sold him into slavery instead of uh, instead, and pretended that he was dead for 13 years. That is something that is so far from okay and by no means excusable, but Joseph gives them forgiveness and provides for them above and beyond. There's a lot we can learn from Joseph and his brothers, some of what to do and a lot of what not to do. So over the past three weeks here at Urban Village Church, we are continuing a series on forgiveness. We've gone on a journey from recognizing that sometimes humans are just the worst to the role of anger in forgiveness. And last week, how God calls us to move forward from guilt and shame and seize God's forgiveness for new life. This week, we are talking about forgiving others. I'm sorry, my tablet just went black. Don't you do this to me. Not today. Why is it doing this? It's, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, do, do, maybe. Let's see. It can't do this to me. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I totally meant for this to happen. Uh, okay. Cool. I guess I'll preach from my phone now. This is a good lesson. I have to find my place. One second. Uh, okay. Thank you. I will do that. I will, after it apparently updates, I guess. <laughs> All right. Whew. So this week, we're looking at forgiving others, like Joseph forgave his brothers. This is a lot of talking about one word, forgiveness. We seem to already be working on it pretty good, but uh, the more that I've used it and the more that I've prepared for this sermon, I realize that I really don't know what forgiveness really means. So what is it? 
Forgiveness is a bit hard to define and it's hard to do. So here are some ways that I think that we often kind of think about it or, um, or act it out or how we hear about forgiveness that really aren't helping us. First, the phrase forgive and forget. Is that really how forgiveness works? I don't know if that's the way it works if I want to forgive all the time because some things that, I, that happen are just not forgettable. And we shouldn't act like they are. Joseph didn't come to, greet, to great privilege and then forget that his own family had sold him into slavery. Some things that are forgiven should just not be forgotten. We can't just sweep those things under the rug. The rug will be full of stuff then. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean that we forget about what happened. Maybe instead we should think about it as forgive and move to work forward from which I realize is not as snappy. So maybe we can think about it as forgive and forward. Another way we think of forgiveness is that it is saying that something is okay or excusable. All too often I hear an I'm sorry followed with it's okay. Well, it's not okay. Like that wasn't okay, but, but we're okay now. Yeah. We don't want to imply that something is okay, so we hesitate to want to offer forgiveness. We don't want to be a doormat or encourage someone else to be. Maybe this isn't as much of a concern with small things that are easy to forgive, but for big, horrible things that some people or some have had, some people do or some people have had happen to them. That's a real concern. Things like murder, domestic abuse, sexual assault, selling your brother into slavery, are things that are never okay to have happened. And that behavior is not excusable and will never be excusable. But yet forgiveness is still something important for those situations as well. Not to stay in a toxic situation, but to not allow that toxicity to affect how you treat other people. So how can we think of forgiveness? Nadia Bowles-Weber, if you haven't heard of her, look her up. She's an incredible Lutheran pastor Uh, who started a church called House for All Sinners and Saints, and she has honestly done work with people in all walks of life. I really like her stuff. She has a video called Forgive A-Holes and puts a new spin on forgiveness for us. She says it is not an act of niceness or being a doormat, but it is really a pretty brave and powerful thing to do. She wonders if forgiveness is about cutting the chain of retaliation and anger that we hold because of the harm done to us, that cutting off that cycle of anger and harmful actions is what what forgiveness is. It is disconnecting ourselves from that thing that was very not okay and not allowing ourselves to be controlled by the past. It is not forgetting, but saying that darkness will not win against us, not today, not when others use it against us or when it comes from within us. She also talks about or implies some, some, of, um, some connections to how forgiveness is also releasing the control of harm done uh, and how that is crucial to ending the cycles of violence. Justice without opportunity for forgiveness and reconciliation is eye for an eye kind of justice. You did blank, so you get blank back. Joseph's brothers offered themselves as slaves to Joseph at the end of their apology. That's that kind of justice. We enslaved you, so we'll enslave ourselves to you. But what good does that do? 
All it does is pass along the harm down the line. Holding on to a grudge or anger about a transgression makes you more likely to lash out on someone else. That just hurts more people. Those, uh, and a more serious example is that those who are domestically abused as a child are more likely to be the ones that are domestically abusing their families as an adult. It's just a correlation. And so trauma begets trauma unless something or someone decides to recognize the issue and break the cycle. That's where forgiveness comes in. Forgiving someone empowers you to break the cycle by refusing to be dragged down by hate and focus on moving forward in a healthy way. Forgiveness is not about letting harm done to you drive the way you treat someone else. It is not forgetting or excusing. It is not turning a blind eye toward injustice. It does not mean reconciliation. That's next week. Come back. Forgiveness is about choosing to live into love and light instead of resentment or hatred and darkness. It is about saying that harm does not have the last word for either yourself or the person who did it. It is about recognizing everyone's potential for transformation, redemption, and to move forward. Now, I know that that is so much easier said than done. Finding the light in a situation or the love inside our hearts is not always so easy. That's where God comes in. We are promised that we are not doing this alone. This idea of love above all and harm not having the last word is kind of what this whole Christian thing is all about. We know that God is serious about it, especially in this season as we get closer to Easter. Bigotry and hatred led to Jesus being harmed in one of the most painful ways to die. But God gave us the most dramatic example that that harm will not have the last word as Jesus resurrected and shared forgiveness with the whole world. God is serious about forgiveness. So we know that God is not going to leave us high and dry when we are working on it ourselves. That is what the Holy Spirit in our church community is for, to be helpers and coaches and supporters as we work through these kinds of hard things in life to find healing. Looking back to our example of Joseph and his brothers, we see that forgiveness is something that happens between two or more parties or people. One person against 11 brothers in this case. There is a giver and there's a receiver, and sometimes we're both. Joseph's story gives us a glimpse into how important forgiveness was for both sides. It was important for Joseph to get it and start the journey of reconciliation with his brothers, but it was of equal importance for the brothers who had been living with the consequences and guilt of their mistake for years to receive it. How can we receive forgiveness? Offering an apology seems to be an important step to Joseph's brothers. Perhaps it is not necessary for giving forgiveness and apology, but it is an important step for receiving it for ourselves and what makes reconciliation possible. An apology is a way to recognize the harm you are responsible for and indicate that you would like to move forward from it, hopefully with the intent of doing better. Joseph's brother's apology in the passage this morning, to be honest, is mediocre at best. From the beginning, it says they were worried about Joseph holding a grudge and getting revenge, and that is why they go to seek his forgiveness. It was basically to pacify Joseph to save their own butts. That's not helpful. That's not an apology. Not to mention that they are ignoring the free forgiveness that Joseph had already offered them a while back by offering to care for them during the famine. 
They hide behind the name of their father and try to convince Joseph to forgive them because their father wanted him to. They are not doing any work to see, to be vulnerable, to take responsibility for their wrongdoing or to ask for the opportunity for reconciliation and working on their relationship with Joseph. It's easy to criticize Joseph's brothers, but don't we all do at least some of these pretty often when we apologize? We live in a culture in which apologies are not used as a sign of true repentance, but as a way to pacify someone who is mad at us or to relieve our own feelings of guilt or shame without actually working through our own need to reflect and transform as part of the experience. You all heard me say I'm sorry like six times while my tablet wasn't working. Good example. So how can we form a good apology? Here are four important things to consider. One, who is the apology for? Is it really for them or is your narcissism showing? Two, what is the motivation or intention? Are you willing to say any of these kinds of things? You're right, it was my fault, I take responsibility for it. Three, are you trying to be open-hearted, vulnerable and sincere? And on the flip side, is your apology encouraging those emotions in those who you are apologizing to? And four, are you witnessing to transformation or some type of lesson learned in yourself, or at least committing to creating an opportunity for those things to happen? To be clear, we shouldn't grade someone's apology and only give, forgive them if they get an A. A bad apology does not mean that forgiveness shouldn't happen. Instead, we can think of it as a missed, missed opportunity. A crappy apology is a missed opportunity to deepen or mature your relationship with someone or to create a healthy break and move on. A missed opportunity to take responsibility, practice vulnerability, and transform yourself. A missed opportunity to recognize the hurt, the true hurt in that other person and give them healing. A missed opportunity to lead toward reconciliation. An apology is a way to offer up recognition of your responsibility for the harm that was done, to be vulnerable and sincere, to recognize the areas that you see the need for growth within yourself or in how you act in a relationship. A good apology should not be the end of a conversation. Joseph's words to his brothers are a good reminder for us as we think about apologizing to or forgiving someone else. He first assures them as they offer to be his slaves, do not be afraid. May we be people like Joseph who forgive so often that people are not afraid to come and apologize to us or worried that we are going to hold revenge against them. Joseph then says, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. It kind of sounds there that Joseph is saying that God wanted the brothers to sell him into slavery. I don't believe that was what was meant though. Joseph is saying that although the brothers intended to hurt Joseph, and they did, they could not shake God from Joseph's side. God was not defeated by the harm. God used the new situations that Joseph was in to lead to good. 
Joseph, who experienced God's presence with him throughout every bad situation, knew that there is nothing that anyone can do to take God from him. God works in our lives to continue being present and preserve life, ours and many. No matter how many times you screw up or how many times someone works against your well-being, God is going to work. You should still apologize for any hurt you do, but the world is not going to end because of our failures. God empowers us to choose love over hate, light over dark. Let us use that empowerment to take responsibility for the wrongs we have done and to forgive those who have wronged us so that we may all move forward toward reconciliation. Will you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for your forgiveness and love that nothing can overshadow. Thank you for the many reminders that you are always with us, that we cannot shake you from our lives and no one else can either. God, help us follow your example and forgive those around us. Help us to break cycles of hate by cutting the chains of revenge and anger. Empower us to make the strong and brave choice to forgive and to apologize. Open our hearts to never see anyone past the point of redemption, including ourselves. Prepare us for the work of reconciliation. We pray this in the name of our friend Jesus. Amen.